Welcome to the Great American Collectibles Show, heard Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Eastern on PSA.com and the PSA Facebook page. The Great American Collectibles Show is brought to you by PSA and the National Sports Collectors Convention. Tonight's headlines are brought to you by Sports Collectors Daily. For all of your hobby news, features, and more, visit sportscollectorsdaily.com. And now, your hosts, Tom Zappala and John Mallory. JM, I'm in. What's up, brother? Well, you know something? Uh, I'm doing okay? Just getting off the IL. We got, I got a Facebook message from one of our listeners. He's been on the show, Michael. Mike Variale. Yep. And he, he, he said, are Rico and Zap, oh, he said, Rico and Tom, okay. Well, and last I didn't, week. I actually I, didn't catch the show last week. I'll tell you, but, last uh, week. Because I only watched the ones I'm on. <laughs> but, last um, week we were in tough shape, I have to admit. Um, I had the flu. <laughs> You're both together. Rico had the flu. Making so each other sick. No, we canceled each other out, actually. Yeah. But uh, Chrissy. How'd you guys feel about that? <laughs> well, we just kept our distance. <laughs> well, I, you know what I did a couple of times during the show, though? I sprayed him with Lysol. Fantastic. That's <laughs> good. That's uh, good. I, I'm, I'm coming back. It's been a tough one. This, this flu crap. Not is, COVID. No, 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 no. We tested for all that. No, actually, we caught the flu from dear friends of ours. We went out to dinner. <laughs> So they're not friends anymore. Right. No, uh, but uh, yeah, we got sick. It's one of those things. Yeah, you know it happens. It's time of year. Eight days, man. You got to drink more bourbon. No, I tell you what. There's something to be said about a vodka martini. Absolutely. About a Tito's martini. Yes. The whole key is the lemon. That's the key. The key. All right. The lemon. The vitamin C in the lemon. Yes. That with the antiseptic value <laughs> of the vodka. <laughs> Makes it a home run. So right? you should do lemon with tea, not lemon with tea toes. That's okay. That's the- <laughs> hey, listen, we have a special show today. Uh, you it's know, a good we, show. It's an interesting. Yeah, show. we we've gotten a lot of requests uh, about. Uh, you know, we have a big following of collectors, hobbyists, investors, whatever you want to call them. Sure. And you know, the question always comes up: What should I do with my investment slash collection? Uh, I mean, what's the value? Should it be insured? Uh, You know, how how do you store it? All of that good stuff. So we've got two guests with us right now, and a third hopefully is going to be joining us. We talk about all the time about, you know, auctions and what things go for and all that. And we also talk about the sports and the the emotion and the love part of it. But let's face it, when you're talking about a high-level collection, it's an investment, and you have to protect it. And we don't always think about that. So what better guest, three experts. First, our old dear friend, Joe Orlando, former uh, president of PSA, CEO of Collectors Universe, and now an executive vice president with Heritage Auctions. Bob Broadwater from Collectibles Insurance Services, who I, lo- I think they do a fabulous job. Awesome. I just upped my collection, so my fee I went up. I, I saw that. Yeah, I did yeah, pretty well. You Doing did. pretty well. I know. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's in a safe now. You should buy dinner for all of us again. I think you should take a hike. <laughs> uh-huh. And later on, so Bob is from Collectibles Insurance yep. Services. And uh, later on, uh, if, he, if we can track him down, Tom <laughs> Ruggi from Destiny Wealth Management. We're going to cover all the different sections of what a collection is, how you store it, how you, all of that good stuff. So yep. let's bring you guys both in. First of all, welcome, guys. Morning. 
Good morning. Good to be here. Good to have you Good. guys. Good. Uh, Bob, let's start with you. Just mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about overview of collectibles uh, insurance services. Yeah, the company's been around for, for 60 years, and we, we specialize in insuring collectible property uh, of all types. And we're currently owned by a, a larger insurance company that's an A-rated carrier. So that's a, from a financial uh, solvency perspective, that's a, a top-end rating for an insurance company. So that allows us to give the flexibility to grow and continue uh, expanding our specialty of insuring uh, uh, collectors. So, Bob, I, I guess my question is, and we've talked a little bit before, obviously, this is you, you, I'm sure you're the major company, the parent company does all kinds of insurance, mm-hmm. but how did this sort of, and I hate to use that word, but this kind of niche area, how did you get to it? Did you see a need? Did you hook in with people like Joe Orlando who've been in the business? How did it come about? Yeah. So we, we, we are a specialty insurance company, so we, we look out for uh, niche opportunities. 12 years ago is when this larger insurance company purchased collectibles insurance services and brought the team on board. The background of this team is it was actually started by a stamp collector uh, with, with a passion for, for collecting and then ultimately became a stamp dealer and saw that there was a gap in the marketplace for these collections. We started with stamps and coins and it evolved into sports, comics, art, uh, firearm collectibles. So it really uh, has broadened, but it was started with with the passion of a collector. Um, first of all, by the way, uh, don't forget to subscribe, like, and share the show. We're on every podcast platform. Uh, you can email us at zapsenior at hotmail.com. You can listen to us uh, on Alexa, uh, iHeartRadio, YouTube, or on all the different platforms. All right, so Joe. I did that with a show with you and Rico. I said, Alexa, play great. And she said, do you want the one with Tom and Rico? It was kind of weird how she responded. Usually she just says, does what you say. Are you sure? Are you sure? And I said, no, skip to the one with me. She goes, good choice. So um, obviously you being with PSA for the years that you were with PSA and now with Heritage, uh, you have seen and handled many, many, many expensive uh, and rare uh, cards and pieces of memorabilia. Out of the gate, you, you know, you've said this to me a zillion times over the year. It's shocking how many people do not either have insurance or are underinsured. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, it, it really is remarkable. You know, and what we're talking about here is planning. And, you know, it's interesting, you know, being a collector myself, sometimes we get so hyper focused on hunting and gathering that we don't step back and, and ask ourselves, how are we going to store it? How are we going to, dis- to display it? How are we going to protect it, which includes insurance? And then how, you know, further down the line, what is the long-term plan? How are we going to, if you want to pass it down into the family, how are you going to liquidate it? And, and, and it really is remarkable on the insurance side specifically, how many experienced veteran collectors either don't insure for the proper value or don't insure at all. It, 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 it would blow a lot of people's minds. And we're talking now, I mean, of course, over the last few years, we've seen the escalation in prices. I mean, for, for a lot of collectors, especially ones that are very active, this is a significant part of their net worth and it deserves attention. But again, collectors were wired a certain way and the planning part doesn't always... Uh, you know, uh, take precedence. 
So, Bob, question for you, and Joe, you can certainly chime in on this as well. Um, have you had to become more well-versed in the area of collectibles? Maybe not to the point of a guy like Joe who's been in the business for so long, but if you're advising and counseling people about their collection, have you and your staff had to become knowledgeable, not on Ty Cobb stats from whatever year, but just on generally on the value of, of, a, of a certain cards or collectibles or memorabilia? Yes. Uh, first, I'll echo what Joe said. One thing we see is a lot of our clients are buying insurance for the first time, and they've needed it for a while, just weren't aware of their gaps. And um, again, just, just not aware of how to fully safeguard all these items. So they are purchasing it for the first time. And to your question, yes, our underwriting team, uh, we do a, a good job of keeping up with, with collectibles news, with valuations, different tools in the marketplace for, for those valuations. Obviously, no one's an expert in all things, but what we see the most of is in the sports space. It's in the comic book space, trading cards. Yep. Those types of common areas, um, and we've seen the way valuations have moved in, in recent years, particularly recently. And we, uh, we keep up to date with what things are going for, as well as um, hobbyists, how they're, how they're keeping uh, track of them, how they're acquiring them. Obviously, COVID changed some of that, uh, shifted almost everything uh, online, and and we just we just keep in touch with how uh, how these items are distributed and, and safeguarded. Joe, you've been in this business for so long at all different levels, different jobs, different places. You know, you're like the guys at Stripes. You've been kicked out of every decent country in the world. But uh, <laughs> kidding. But <laughs> but you also you know being with PSA, we know that the condition of these items is so important. And it's amazing, kind of going back to what you said, Joe, in your, in your first answer, it's amazing how people don't think about that a lot. They might, have, they might think they're safe in a cellar, in an attic. Oh, they're nicely in a box, or they have, I'm in these little plastic cases. But to me, it's amazing how little they think about it, knowing that the condition of the item, if you're going to get to the point of selling it, might be the most important thing. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm... Guilty as charged. You know, I've, I've done the same thing, so sure. I'm not going to sit here and preach and say that I haven't been guilty <laughs> of the same behavior. Because look, you know, when you're a collector and you, you have that gene, if you're looking at an auction, you're at a national, and you see something that just it clicks with you, it resonates with you, sometimes you kind of veer off the path. But I, I think, again, for me, what has helped me personally is that if you, if you begin with a plan, it starts with a plan and that begins with establishing, okay, what do I want to collect? Like what is going to be my collecting theme? And then all of these subjects, including insurance, it all flows from that. And as you've just talked about, John, I mean, storage is a huge thing. And I, again, so many of my collecting friends, I was just talking to one just this past weekend who started buying jerseys and then he started accumulating <laughs> a number of jerseys and then dozens of, and then he's like, what am I going to do with all this stuff? <laughs> and, and again, I I'm guilty of it too. I think it really begins with establishing a collecting theme, trying to stick to it as best you can. It's not always going to work because again, we see things we like we're that resonate with us. We're going to go after it, but you've got to plan for this stuff because, you know, cards are much easier because they're small. Yeah. But when you get into memorabilia, hockey sticks, jerseys, bats, helmets, yeah takes up space and you got to think about, okay, if you want to display it, how are you going to do it? If you want to store it, how are you going to do it? Now, one thing that will probably come up today is 
now vaulting has become a new a new thing. It's you know the last few years vaulting is a, is a hot topic in our business. Um, so that that's another option for collectors certainly. But if you want to enjoy it in your home, I mean, I I couldn't recommend it any st- more strongly than I'm going to right now. You, you need to insure it, and you should insure it for at minimum fair market value. Well, then I, I wanted to ask you that, Joe, and I'm going to ask, uh, this is out to both of you. That's a, that's a great point because a lot of people are not sure how much to insure their collection for. So you're saying that if your collection fair market value is 200000 using that as an example, you should insure it for at least that. Bob, can you insure it for more if you so choose? Are you asking me? Or? I'm, I'm asking Bob. Uh, no, I, I would say generally, no. You want to get as close as you can. If anything, aim a little high, obviously. But um, you want to get uh, you want to get that as close as you can. Many cl- clients, unfortunately, we, we find out they're underinsured. Uh, sometimes they simply forget or don't quite realize how quick some of the values can change. So certainly uh, as part of having the insurance is great but revisiting it periodically, certainly as your collection grows. But even if it doesn't, at a minimum annually, just to make sure, hey, is what I have in my limit, is there still alignment? You know, it's interesting because uh, a lot of people, a lot of uh, serious collectors and hobbyists, um, you know, they, they buy and sell sometimes monthly. And mm-hmm. the, the collection will, will, will you know, skyrocket and then come back down a little bit. So there's really you really have to pay attention to 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 you know what you're buying and the value of it. Using myself case in point, you know uh, over the last uh, I've been in a little buying spree over the last uh, couple of months, and I had to, I you know through you guys, uh, you know had to raise my insurance level, and I got to do it again. And so it's important that people pay attention to that. Uh, you know, as your collection rises, if you have to do it, correct me if I'm wrong, Bob, but you have to do it two or three times a year. There's nothing wrong with that, correct? Not at all. No. Every, every time uh, new items are required, it should be something uh, revisit. There, there are a couple steps there. One, we always recommend cataloging the collection. I realize uh, it's once a lot of heavy lifting initially, but once you have it in place, the ongoing effort is much more minimal and really helps from a tracking purpose. Well, as a follow-up to, to, to that, I'm going to ask Joe this question. Joe, it's really important that you also, let's say you cataloged your whole collection. It's important, I mean, that you really pay attention to the direction it's going in, right? Because, I mean, there, there are certain things in a collection that, that, that you know, that'll appreciate, uh, you know, 5 or 10 or 8 or 12% in a month. So you really have to be in tune with what, what the value of your, your your items are, correct? Yeah, I mean, I want to I want to uh, support what what Bob just uh, drove home here. The point he drove home was it has to be reasonable. Like, I mean, so what you what I often find again in talking with my collecting friends is that they'll they actually, as Bob said, they they'll actually underinsure it for a long period of time, and instead of focusing on what the current market is, is what you're talking about, Tom. They'll focus on, well, I paid this, you know, 18 years ago. Well, if 18 years ago, the market was, you know, a third of what it's at now. I mean, yeah. again, I, I have story after story. Another uh, close friend of mine 
has a very substantial collection. I mean, he was insuring it for probably a quarter of what it was worth. And he just recently updated it. I mean, he just decided, you know what, I really need to update this. It's important to stay on top of it. But again, I want to make something very clear. You should never overshoot it either. It has to be reasonable. There has to be some market data or comps that would support that because otherwise, if if something were to happen, of course, you hope that never does. But if something were to happen, uh, you want to make sure you could recoup the money. And if you're, you're, you know, overdoing it, you're not going, you're not, the data does not support your, the amount that you're claiming. So um, it has to be reasonable, but there's so many uh, resources out there available to the collector to stay on top of the market. You know, Zap, Joe brought up something earlier I didn't even think about as we were kind of preparing for this show, kind of a unique topic today. And, and that is when, because when you think about protecting it, you always think about you're storing it somewhere, whether it's in a vault, whether it's in your house somewhere. But, you know, when Joe, it's usually Orlando's the smartest guy in the room. When he brought up, you know, displaying, when you're displaying it, and both you guys can comment on this. You also have to be wary of that. Is it in a room where there's sun coming? Oh, in? absolutely. Is it going to, if you have mm-hmm. a, a hat or a jersey? Absolutely. Like, I never thought of it that way. I, always think I about learned st- that from him. Yeah, I, you always think about storage, but a lot, like, we've had a lot of people on this show. No, I like to display. I, I learned that you from have, Joe both years you, Can ago. you comment, like, absolutely. you have to watch out where you put it, dust. Absolutely. You know, that just, that, that just a cube might be in a room that maybe isn't used a lot. Can both you guys kind of speak to yes, that a little bit? Absolutely. As, as part of, look, vaulting is great but we recognize that many of the items that people have will be in their homes. Start with basement and attics. Basement and attics obviously typically aren't climate controlled the same way the rest of the house is. Basement, you have the added exposure of water if it's not off the ground, uh, plus the the dampness that goes along with that. Attic, you have the heat, uh, so certainly want to be cognizant of that when storing it there. And then if it's in your home, um, certainly near a window, anywhere direct sunlight, uh, deterioration, and just, again, as part of uh, just have to be thinking, you know, are the items where they are, are they susceptible to, to sunlight, uh, water, moisture damage, and, and any temperature, humidity changes that could, could affect them as well. Just part of the overall maintenance and, and safeguarding uh, what you have. We are chatting with Joe Orlando and Bob Broadwater. Joe from Heritage Auctions and Bob from Collectibles Insurance Services. It's an and- all-star lineup. Well, it is. Well, and Tom Ruggie is going to be joining us, I think, shortly. So we're going to take a quick break. Hang in there. We'll be right back. Since 1996, Brian Drent and the staff at Denver's Mile High Card Company have led the charge in the collectibles hobby. Mile High is a full-service dealer specializing in buying and selling cards and offers a competitive consignment program for all collectors. Whether it be their computerized want list service, appraisals, or auction services, Mile High has it all. If you've been searching for a company with a selection of high-grade vintage 1888 to 1970 baseball cards and memorabilia that shares your passion, aim high, Mile High. Go to milehighcardco.com or call 303-840-2784 for more information. Let's go! Hi, everyone. This is Rico Petroselli. JustCollect.com, a leader in the vintage sports card industry, is giving free appraisals on your vintage cards. They'll evaluate your collection for free and let you know the value of it at no cost and no obligation. If you're ready to sell, JustCollect.com will offer you industry-leading prices to buy your card collection. To begin your free baseball card appraisal, visit JustCollect.com 
or call them at 732-828-2261. That's JustCollect.com for your free vintage card appraisals and top buy prices for your cards. Check out JustCollect.com today. Hi, this is Dan from Memory Lane Auctions here to remind you that the renowned Memory Lane Collectibles Company has served as a beacon of light to the collecting community for the past several decades. Indeed, folks, it has been our utmost privilege and pleasure to provide the most enthusiastic collectors with an abundance of the finest sports cards and memorabilia for America's most coveted sports personalities via our world-class auctions. Whether you choose either a private sale transaction or the auction route, Memory Lane cordially invites you to reach out to us to maximize the value of your prized possessions. Also, it is not just sales that we pride ourselves on being the best of the rest, because if you are seeking a particular keepsake for your esteemed gathering, we will be relentless in our quest to find that special piece to fulfill your collecting dreams. So no time to wait. Reach out to us today for the purposes of capitalizing on our unparalleled marketing capabilities. Simply pick up the phone and dial 877-606-5263. That's 877-606-LANE. Or find us on the World Wide Web at www.memorylaneinc.com. Now is the time for your valued consignment to ultimately become another one of Memory Lane's record-setting prices. How would you like to own the bat that was used by your favorite player when he hit that towering home run or game-winning base hit? Now look no further than JT Sports, specializing in the sale and authentication of professional game-used bats. As the official authenticators of professional model game-used bats for PSA DNA, JT Sports will guarantee the authenticity of any bat purchased from them. JT Sports also buys and sells game-worn uniforms, gloves, and baseball equipment. The unique quality of the collectible is what JT Sports is all about. Give them a call at 609-487-8003 or check them out at GameUseBats.com. Okay, we are back in the third man in. The third man in. Is sure Ernest, is. There he is. Tom Rushi from <laughs> uh, Destiny Wealth Management. Tom, nice to see you. Oh, he doesn't have... Uh, Tom, you don't have any audio. Can't hear you. So you need to uh, adjust your audio while he's doing that. In the meantime, yeah, I want to talk to uh, to Joe again about, okay, he's good. Uh, you're with us, Tom? Uh, still adjusting. No, no, no you're, you're good. good now. You're, you're good. good now. You're good oh. now. We got you. Yeah. So, so we're good. All right. So listen, uh, Joe, I wanted to continue. Uh, Tom is, so we're gonna, obviously, we're going to bring Tom in. Joe, I wanted to ask you, I mean, you have your finger on the pulse as far as uh, what's hot and what's not in the card world and memorabilia world. Um, right now, Joe, we've talked about this before, and I want, I, I want uh, uh, Bob to, come to, you know, to chime in on this. Vintage versus modern, is is the vintage market still hot and it's still a good investment versus that ultra-modern Justin Herbert card? Using him as an yeah, example. I, mean, look, um, I, I, I try to steer away from, I mean, I realize the, the investment part of this is real, um, but, uh, you know, look, you should, I, I've said this before and I'm just going to say it again. 
if you're in this market, you should do it because you really love it first. And then there's a financial component. And that's what we're talking about today, protecting that, that investment, that sort of thing. But if you go into it with that mentality of just making money, I would suggest it's not for you. But to answer your question, look, obviously in the modern market right now in cards, especially in cards, we're seeing a pretty significant correction. So we have seen this movie before um, in my lifetime, at least two times before, once in the kind of early to mid 2000s. And then again in the 1990s, kind of around the time of the baseball strike. And that happens because there's, you know, modern tends to be extremely volatile compared to vintage for a number of really obvious reasons. But to get to your question, I mean, if you look at the auction results, um, not just heritage, but across the, the industry, the really what I would describe as sort of blue chip classic, you know, beachfront property, vintage collectibles, both cards and memorabilia have not taken much of a backward step. In some cases, they, they've continued to escalate and set records. So it's a lot more stable of a of a market over time. And again, that's been proven over time. It's not my opinion. That's just, just a sure. fact, but I could understand again, I, I've said this before, actually on your show, I, I totally understand the appeal of the real time story playing out right in front of your eyes. So there's definitely an allure to that. Um, but you just have to understand going into that, that if you're going to spend big money on those types of cards, you mentioned, you know, Justin Herbert, a great young quarterback in the NFL, You have to be prepared that if something goes wrong, I mean, look last night, Kyler Murray runs down the field, there goes his knee. I mean, that's, that's what you're sort of subjecting yourself to if you go a little too deep into that market. So Tom, where does Rushi financial uh, destiny, financial uh, wealth come in with what is, how do you play into this? Your, your company, because you've got some great ideas. We've talked about insurance. We've talked about the collectibles world overall. How does your company fit in? Well, I, I, I'm still trying to figure that out candidly, but, you know, I'm, I, I, first and foremost, I'm a collector. And, and, you know, it started from the time I was seven years old, literally hanging over the dugout in Clearwater, watching the Phillies spring training and getting Mike Schmitz and Greg Lazinski's autographs. So what, as, as, my, as my business that started out as a, a, a traditional wealth management business has evolved over the past 31 years, I, I, I started a family office five years ago, and the family office focuses on high net worth individuals. And, and that is the focus for me for the rest of my career, which I hope is still a long time. But in, in doing so, what, what I look for in people that I work with is, is, is people that have kind of similar mindsets to me. And, and I, I love the collectibles world. And, and, you know, I, I was, I've been very interested to hear what Bob has to say because I've developed a scorecard to help somebody like me that has a sizable collection, look at the points of what they ought to be evaluating with that collection. And I, I want to be able to assist people that are in a similar situation to me and walking through that kind of process, you know, making sure you've got got it inventory and you've got the values and you've got it insured. And, and I also think it's extremely important. What's the succession plan for that? Because in my example, if, if I die tomorrow, my family does not want my, they, they want nothing to do with my sports collection. And so what does that look like so that there's the, the best um, getting 
selling or putting at auction of, of that memorabilia, what's best for the family. Now, you don't necessarily, Tom, advise collectors, though, correct? Like, for instance, if I have an extensive collection, you're not necessarily going to advise me to put it into a trust, for instance, or include this in my will. You're, you're kind of going um, to... Go ahead. No, we would. Oh, you yeah, would. Okay. That's, okay. Yeah, that's, that's that's part of again as as running kind of the the big picture for our clients on the on the wealth side, the the legal aspect is is a, a large component of that. Absolutely. You guys are what I advise about buying or not buying because uh, I completely agree with Joe's comments. You know regarding the you know the the new versus the vintage, and and I'm a vintage guy myself. You know, die hard and will will always be vintage. But uh, I, I don't want that. Like, I wouldn't want that to be part of my job of, of telling people what to collect. I would, I right. Always give right. 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 Yeah. You guys are in different areas of the of the business, really. Yeah. And, but I think you're all tied in because all of everything that you guys do, whether it's in your personal collecting life as a sports fan and then also in, in your work, I think it comes down. And we've talked about this a lot on the show is that kind of age old battle, if you will, between the heart and the wallet when it comes to collecting. And I, I'd like all three of you guys maybe to comment. And, and Bob, you too. I don't know how if you collect, Bob, but you certainly deal with people. You're sort of advising them on how to take care of their investment, but you also know they're coming at it mm-hmm. from something they really cherish with emotion. So i just like all three of you guys to comment on, you know, in the, in the, with the backdrop of, of the hobby, of the business, how you balance the heart with wanting to have a collection that has some value as well. Anyway, Joe, you can start. Okay. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's really, a, it's trying to find a balance. Um, and it's kind of what I w- was sort of alluding to in regards to the modern market. It's okay to collect modern cards. It's, a, it's okay to collect with your heart, but just understand if I spend a million dollars on collecting with my heart and, and none of my head, that could lead to a problem. So right. it's really about finding balance in your collection. There are things in my collect. I mean, look, there are so many awesome things to choose from in, in the sports collectibles hobby that believe me, most people can do both. Most people can find plenty of material no doubt. that you love that also is a, you know, is a good place to park your money long-term because, you know, if it's, you know, Babe Ruth, Jackie Robinson, Jim Brown, whatever, you know, any of the classics of the game, I mean, it's a great place to, to, to put your money long-term if you're buying quality certified items, but it's, it's really about finding balance. You don't want to go to, you know, I've said, I've said this to, to people before. It's like, you, you want to stay sort of on the tracks. If you veer off too much into stuff that is kind of considered too esoteric, then you're running the risk that when it comes time to sell, whether something happens, you know, I get eaten by a shark tomorrow or, or I, it's something planned 25 years from now, you need to make sure that you're going to, you can find someone else that feels that way about the items that you collected. So it's, it's much safer to sort of stay closer to the mainstream in terms of popularity. Bob, what do you think of that? Yeah, agree. Look, the insurance is ultimately the the safety net. Obviously this is a, it's it's a passion audience and the focus is, is always so much on, on the collecting and even to the extent safeguarding, certainly the, the investment piece of it. And we know, unlike most types of insurance, our customers, they don't want to check even should something happen. They want, they want to do everything they can to protect their, uh, their assets, their collectible property. So it's, it's really you know, the, the, the services that 
each of the three of us bring here. Um, Joe, obviously, in all the services PSA offers, the, the financial planning piece is very important. We see not just the passion, but certainly the long-term uh, stability and viability of the, of the investment itself. And then ultimately, insurance is, is the back part of that as the safety net should some of those things go wrong. We're, we're here to, uh, to make sure that uh, a client is made full should, should the unfortunate happen. Tom, you're the ultimate guy, I think, that's combined passion with the pocketbook. I mean, seriously, in your life and in your work, because I know what a big sports fan you are and how you got about how you went about getting some of those autographed uh, cards that you have. Uh, I know you can speak to this. Yeah, Her- Heritage has received a lot of my money over the years. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> but but uh, you know, but but I'm I'm a collector first, and but uh, but I, I partially I think because of what I do for a living, and and partially just because of how I'm wired, I have always looked at the investment side of it. I mean, you know, when rookie cards became the craze in the early '80s, yeah, you know, I, I was I was spending harder money mowing lawns, buying Johnny bench rookie cards and, you know, things like that. So right. um, I, I've always had an eye on the investment side and, and, you know, Joe's mentioned it twice and I completely agree with what he's saying. And in my business, I, I would say that it's, it's kind of like a difference between blue chip stocks versus, you know, a, a new company with a, a new app or a new widget that could go to the moon, but also you could lose every nickel that you put into it. And there's a risk return there. And, you know, my, my advice to, to people is again, if, if you're passionate about it and, and you're investing some of your money in that passion, you know, to, to try to keep an eye on what, you know, what you can afford to lose if you're going to shoot for the stars from an investment standpoint. And, and what, of course, what you can afford to spend if you're going to, you know, build more of a, a blue chip, stock portfolio. All right, so I'm going to ask the three of you guys this question. Is is there anything wrong with uh, somebody who is not passionate about the hobby but looks at it as an opportunity to make a few bucks strictly from an investment standpoint? Joe? Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that at all. I, I, I think... When, you know, as we've talked about here, I think why I try to um, drive home the point that it's it's better. Okay, I'm not saying it's it's the only option, but it's better if you actually find it interesting and start and educate yourself about it, and 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 obviously have that that passion for That's it. That's the big why. thing. You have to be educated on it to uh, make absolutely. the right. Yeah, right. All markets go up and down, right. including. Okay, including sports clubs, yeah. all markets they go up, they go down, they go sideways. And when things settle down or they take a backward step, the guys that love it stick with it they, because they don't they love it. They don't care. They're not going to stop doing what right. they love just because the market fluctuates. The guys that tend to come in and this has happened just in the last couple of years and it happened 20 years before this and 10 years before that. The guys that come in where it's all about the quick buck tend to bail once things get volatile and and get a little sketchy. So again, there's nothing wrong with it. And and believe me, the data, I mean, we could all, you know, cite the data. I mean, if you look at the performance of high-end classic blue chip collectibles over the past 20, 30, 40 years, it has outperformed most traditional forms of investment. So 
the, the data is there to, to support or to attract someone who just wants to do it for the investment component. I would just say that the guys that tend to stick with it actually end up falling in love with it. So some guys actually start out saying, oh, I just want exposure to collectibles and I just want to park some of my money over there. But what I've found is some of those guys, they actually end up falling in love with it because if you enjoy history, if you if you get into it again, educate yourself and learn about the stories behind the cards and memorabilia, it's hard not to love it. Bob, do you ever get uh, do you ever see situations where basically kind of like what Joe is talking about, where an investor will come in, he says, "Man, I got a million dollars here. I got a half a million dollar dollars in collection," and then. Two months later, three months later, you hear from the guy, he, he flipped the whole thing and he cancels his policy. Does that happen it, often? It does. And, and that is what Joe said. It is something we've seen the past few years. Uh, look, our, our underwriters are collectors first, insurance people second. Also, the first question they ask is, tell me about your collection. And what's happened in the past couple of years is somebody just wanted to take a bunch of money and just buy some collectible property but see it as an alternative investment. They're just going to throw it in a vault and say, you know, we're, we'll see. And then when it reaches a certain point, they'll, they'll either purchase more or, or sell. And, and that is different. Um, you know, certainly from an insurance standpoint, it's, it's not much different to us, but uh, what we we've seen is we definitely talk to those customers a little differently. Like, it's it, it, they don't really have they don't see it the same way as as our as our collectors historically had. So that is that Quick is question. And we observe yeah. the same too. Tom, let's talk about uh, you know I, we've talked briefly about your collection. I know Joe is familiar with it. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your collection? It's pretty damn unique. Well, yeah, I, I'd say there's three facets to my collection. I've, I've got a, a, a what I consider a very significant collection of autograph cards. Uh, I have the the uh, the most complete. Uh, sets on PSA for 52, 56, and um, 53 Bowman. That's what I have listed on PSA. I, I would venture to say I probably have the most completed autograph sets. If, if I had them all on the PSA registry, I probably would lead uh, 10 different uh, years for most completed sets. So I've, I've got a pretty significant collection there. I, I think I'm um, nine short of of having every every single 1952 card signed. Now that's pretty interesting because how long have you how how long have you been working on that particular set? Using that as an example, signed cards. I started working on that probably about six years ago, and was really hesitant to do it because I knew it was going to be an expensive undertaking. Well, not only that though, but <laughs> even right. I mean, at, at the time, at the time you really got into that. A joke, correct me if I'm wrong here, but at the time that you got into this, Tom, it was kind of like a no-no, wasn't it, to, to buy signed cards? Maybe not six years ago, but, but certainly, I mean, I've, I've done signed cards since I was a kid getting cards autographed. So, so yeah, it, it, it historically has been an, a, a no-no, but um, I think there's been a, a – I, I think that that's evolved, say, over the last 10 years sure. to – being more commonplace and, and, and certainly more desirable. Joe, can you speak to that? Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with Tom that, that yeah, going back in time, I can remember when I was growing up in the seven seventies and eighties, even though some people get their, their cards autographed, it was more of a taboo thing then, but you've seen a huge change the last couple of decades. Um, I could tell you when I was at PSA for almost 22 years, you could see the ramp up 
in interest and the incoming submissions. Now autographed cards are treated completely differently. I mean, and now instead of the card purists sort of um, poo-pooing the autographed cards, they're treated like apples and oranges. They're two different items. And some of the greatest collectibles that have come through the hobby and have been offered in auction the past 10 years. I mean, we, we've talked many times before, you know, that Uncle Jimmy find was unbelievable. I mean, like that was, I mean, and, and anyone who has any sort of collecting gene in them, even if you're a card purist, you can't tell me that you looked at the Uncle Jimmy find and said, wow, that, you know, that wasn't cool. Of course you thought it was cool. So there, yeah, now autographed cards have become highly desirable, especially in the vintage market. Bob, I have a question for you in terms of insuring, uh, because a lot of times the process of getting a card graded or getting a card or item, whatever the items are, sometimes a lot of cards, to a place like Heritage, uh, where Joe is involved shipping them, transporting them. It has to be a scary thing if you're talking about a potentially high-priced, beloved collection, just putting it in the mail. Uh, do you do insurances for shipping, for transport, as these items are being moved about to get them graded and valued? Yes, uh, some of the built-in coverages with a with our policy is the shipping and transit exposures. So obviously, people taking their items to and from shows to have them graded, authenticated, valued. Uh, that's always been exposure. The insurance goes with the items. But the the bigger concern from your point, I just dropped it with with FedEx. How do I know um, it's it, it damaged, stolen? Right. Um, that's very real to and from when it's going out to say be graded. Uh, yes, the we coverage is extended to the shipping exposure, and and that's uh, a key selling point of our product. It's also where we see the experience. Uh, sure, we have the occasional water damage claims, but more often than not, shipping damage is the most common type of cause of loss we see. We are chatting with Bob, Tom, and Joe, and. Tom and John. Right. It's one syllable names only on the show. All right, we're week. going to take a quick break. We come back. Uh, we've got Dave, another you segment. can be there. I want to talk about Chrissy. Let's, let's yes. talk about the hobby in general. We come back. <laughs> Hang in there. We'll be right back. The family owned and operated online auction, specializing in autographed memorabilia, sports cards, coins, art, and collectibles. Since their founding in 2010, they've grown to two facilities in Phoenix, Arizona, totaling over 60,000 square feet. Jared Cavalier and an incredible staff of over 150 team members serve a very large customer base and enjoy every minute of it. By working with leading authentication companies, Pristine ensures all items are 100% authentic. In addition, third-party authenticators regularly travel to Pristine Auction to provide authentication services on-site. Pristine Auction strives to operate its business in a way that's honoring to God, their families, and their customers. With a strong focus on speed, quality and premier customer service their mission is to be the leading online auction for every level of collector and fan pristine also works for hope sports and identity hoops international traveling to mexico to build houses for the less fortunate pristine auction offers several online auction formats with thousands of auctions ending each day for more information go to pristineauction.com that's pristine auction the best in the business if you're a discerning collector interested in owning the most important pieces in the hobby, look no further than Leland's Auctions. The original sports auction and appraisal house, Leland's was established in 1985 by legendary pioneer founder Joshua Leland Evans. And today, President Mike Hefner carries on the tradition. 
from the Tom Brady card and memorabilia collection to the famed Boston Garden auction to high-end card auctions from every major sport. Leland's has always maintained the highest standards. Go to Leland's.com and get your bid in. That's Leland's, the hobby's leading sports auction house for four decades. It's often been said that championships are won on the practice field and world records come only to those willing to work harder than everybody else. Heritage Auctions is the world's largest collectibles auctioneer because we believe that becoming the best is only an invitation to the challenge of remaining the best. This requires the skills of the hobby's top experts, capable of identifying and maximizing value for our consigners. It requires the most visited website in the industry, supporting a global audience of collectors over a million and a half strong. It requires a dedicated press department that expands our global reach far beyond the entrenched hobby marketplace. It's hard work, but a simple premise. Present the finest collectibles to the largest population of potential buyers, and world records will come. We invite all listeners to put the unmatched power of Heritage Auctions to work for you. Auction evaluations are always free, and our commission-based fee structure ensures that our interests are always aligned. The highest possible price for your collectibles. There will always be new world records to chase, so let's chase them together. Visit our website at ha.com and request your no-obligation review today. Hi, this is Dan from Memory Lane Auctions here to remind you that the renowned Memory Lane Collectibles Company has served as a beacon of light to the collecting community for the past several decades. Indeed, folks, it has been our utmost privilege and pleasure to provide the most enthusiastic collectors with an abundance of the finest sports cards and memorabilia for America's most coveted sports personalities via our world-class auctions. Whether you choose either a private sale transaction or the auction route, Memory Lane cordially invites you to reach out to us to maximize the value of your prized possessions. Also, it is not just sales that we pride ourselves on being the best of the rest, because if you are seeking a particular keepsake for your esteemed gathering, we will be relentless in our quest to find that special piece to fulfill your collecting dreams. So no time to wait. Reach out to us today for the purposes of capitalizing on our unparalleled marketing capabilities. Simply pick up the phone and dial 877-606-5263. That's 877-606-LANE or find us on the World Wide Web at www.memorylaneinc.com. Now is the time for your valued consignment to ultimately become another one of Memory Lane's record-setting prices. They are prized possessions, and you need a place to store them that is safe and secure. The eBay Vault is exactly that, an insured, climate-controlled facility with state-of-the-art security that guards your valuable collection around the clock. Your vault account is protected by two-step verification and easily accessible through eBay Collection. And everything stored in the eBay Vault is backed by Authenticity Guarantee. 
Buying and selling is a seamless experience. When you buy an eligible card on eBay, it can be sent directly to the eBay vault at checkout. Or if it's already in the eBay vault, you can just keep it there. And selling from the eBay vault is just as easy. Every card in the vault has been expertly inspected, detailed, and photographed, so you can quickly sell it with a pre-populated listing. And if your buyer chooses to withdraw their card from the eBay vault, we handle packing, shipping, and insurance. And same goes for you. If you want that rare rookie card in your hands, you can have it shipped to you at any time. Collect like a pro with the eBay vault. And zap the eBay vault. And by the way, it's not like Vault or Pommel Horse. It's not like <laughs> gymnastics, man. I know you were talking about that it before. Was. But the eBay Vault is climate-controlled, insured, and protected with 24-hour security. Soon, you'll be able to send cards already in your collection directly to the eBay Vault. They will take high-quality photos of the front and back of the card and document all the details for your viewing pleasure and to make the listing-to-sell process seamless. For more info, go to eBay.com. That's Connecting Buyers. And sellers. I got to tell you. Globally. Listen, can I just say this? the ugliest socks I've ever seen. You got Johnny Busick socks on. I was at the Boston Garden souvenir store about a year ago, just, you know, browsing. On the, on the sale table, they had Johnny Busick. I'm going to take, I'm, I'm going to wear. He was great. Chief I'm going to take him off. I'm going to show people. No, you're not. But <laughs> they had Johnny Busick socks for He's like got eight socks bucks. socks with Johnny Busick's face on them. Let's see if I can. No, no. I'm begging you. Up here. Yeah, you can't really zoom in. So unbelievable. <laughs> All right, we are chatting with. Can I just say uh, to Joe, Mike Provenzal, who does the voiceover for yeah. the Heritage Spot? He's got a great voice. I want when I die, I want him to narrate the video of my life. <laughs> like, he should, like he should be working for a mortuary. Come in, sit down. I mean, Probe does have a lovely great voice, casket man. for you he's, he's and your family. Morgan Freeman, and then it's Mike. Oh my right. God! Like he could take over for and John then, Facenda. And then down here is Derek Grady. Like he, well, because he's passed out. I <laughs> right, listen. We are chatting with Tom, uh, Bob, and uh, Joe. Uh, the three of them. We're on a first name basis. First name, now. right now. <laughs> hey, uh, Bob. Quick question about deductibles. Uh, what's the deductible situation like with the collections? So for our our, our collectible product, it's. We have a $50 minimum claim payment, but it's a, it's a $0 deductible. So you have a $100 loss, we pay $100. You can opt for a higher deductible for a, for a discount, but most just take the, the base $0 deductible. Very cool. Very cool. This has been really interesting talking. I love this because like, we're all connected here. All I guess are connected in collectibles, but in different ways. And I, you guys take it any order you want. Maybe we'll start with Tom. There's always been a lot of changes over the last couple of years, COVID changed things. Who, who knew how it was going to change things, but it certainly did. But just like we've mentioned before, the types of collectors, the demographics of collectors, the types of items available. Can you guys just look ahead as we kind of near the end of 2022 here, using the framework of what you guys do individually or even as a whole, where you see the hobby going and kind of your outlook for 2023, things to watch for, uh, whether it's, like I said, business-wide or even personally. We'll, we'll start with Tom. Yeah, you know, I, I, I can't give much of an opinion on, on the new stuff because I, I really don't participate in that market. I, right. I know it's been on fire. I, I actually didn't even know that it had, it, it had kind of retreated recently, kind of in line with cryptocurrency, perhaps. But um, yeah, I, I don't know much about that. But, you know, from my standpoint, there could be some overpricing on things and, and when economically when things happen and, and money gets tighter and, and inflation is higher and 
Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of economic factors that, that could lead even on the high end vintage collectibles to a, a flattening out and perhaps even a, a deceleration of, of value. But again, it, no different than a blue chip stock. You know, it, it ultimately is going to come back. It's ultimately going to do well. And I would look at that as personally as a buying opportunity if we have a little bit of a, of a retreat. And uh, until we have that type of retreat, there's, you know, there's certain things that I see in auctions that I really would like to have that I, I just feel like are being overpaid for in some situations. And, and again, I, I, I'm a collector first, but I do keep the investments in mind. And, and if I feel that there may, right or wrong, because I've certainly made the mistake before, but if I feel like I might be able to buy something at a future point for a little bit less than I can today, then, and it's going to be available, then I'll, I'll hold off. But I am, a, I'm also a one of a kind type of person. I've, I've got four pairs of Ollie fight worn trunks. I, I think I got all of them from heritage. Wow. Um, and, and, you know, one of a kind items, if it's, if it's in my wheelhouse and something that I really like, then I look at that as a very long-term investment, and I'm always willing to make those long-term investments. Bob, what do you see uh, 2023? What's it look, looking like for for you guys? To echo some of what Tom said, we're we're expecting a little more volatility. One of the things with additional investors coming in is it has helped push up some of the prices. Sometimes probably a little higher than they should be. So we we just caution uh, a lot of our our collectors just to keep an eye on your valuations. Uh, they have. Move, been moving a little more frequently, both up and down, but certainly with more entrance into the market, sometimes people selling off large parts of their collection, just to, just to again, keep an eye on the, the valuations and make sure you're, you're, you're properly not only safeguarded, but, but covered from all, from all aspects of the investment. Joe, how about you? I mean, we've, I think just doing the show, we've seen kind of an uptick in, in different kinds of items now, drawing people in, in terms of bidding, in terms of consigning like <laughs> photos, contracts, tickets, game-worn items. Your perspective on maybe what you see for Heritage and, and from yourself and your vast knowledge of this business coming up next year. Yeah, I mean, as, as the guys have already touched on, you know, whether the market's up, down, sideways, and, and certainly, again, our market is no different than any other market. The, the one thing I would say, and I, I know it's going to sound like a very generic recommendation, but, but I think it's important is buy the best quality you can afford. And for everyone, it's a, you know, everyone's on a different budget. But the nice thing about our hobby, again, historically, even through some of the toughest financial times, you know, you go, you know, 2008, you know, financial crisis, you know, post 9-11, all this stuff. We've talked about this before on the show, you know, collectibles just keeps trucking along. And, but, but what I would say is, you know, try to focus on quality, whatever you love, whatever you want to collect or invest in, buy the best quality you can afford it. And one point I, I'd like to make, which since we have a little bit of time here, that I failed to make earlier, and I think this pertains to both Bob's business and Tom's business, please, I implore <laughs> my fellow collectors out there, please keep good records of your stuff. Now that applies to insurance, you know, it, it relates to taxes, it relates to succession planning, as Tom brought up earlier, keep good records. It would stun people how many collectors of very high-end collectibles, uh, especially memorabilia, that could use that, that that are supported by letters of things like letters of provenance that sort of thing some of the greatest pieces of memorabilia in our hobby that have come up in the last few decades the letter of provenance was lost by one of the collectors and it drives me absolutely crazy as a <laughs> as wow. an ocd sort of collector but like 
it, it really can affect the, the whole planning aspect of what we've talked about today. Please keep good records because it can affect so much of, of the sort of management of your collection, both short-term and long-term. Joe, um, for the budget-minded collector, the guy that can't buy a, uh, you know, a, a, a 33 Ruth Gowdy uh, and a PSA 8, but he can afford a 33 Gowdy and a PSA 1, or a, a T206 Common and a P, PSA 3 or 4 or whatever. Those types of cards and slash investments for the budget-minded guy, is there a track record of those types of items over the course of time appreciating, but obviously not appreciating as much as the high-end stuff? Or is it, are, they waste, are they just treading water buying a card like that? Not, not at all. As a matter of fact, I mean, you, you mentioned 33 Gaudis and T206s. I would consider both of those uh, sets as blue chip, regardless of grade. But what I would say is that if your budget will only allow you to buy a T206 Red Portrait Cobb or a 1933 Gaudi Babe Ruth, one of the four in, let's say, a one or a two, focus on eye appeal. The market is continuing to mature. And yes, third-party grading establishes the baseline, but collectors are becoming much more sophisticated now, and they can discern between a really beautiful-looking two or one or one and a half versus one that sort of, you know, doesn't have the best eye appeal, doesn't have great color, great centering. There might be some defects that, that, that disturb the image. You can focus on eye appeal in, inside of those lower grades because I think long-term it's going to make a huge difference. Tom, what is your single favorite piece in your collection? Uh, I, I got to give two. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, uh, but, but my, yeah. Nobody's ever given one exactly. on that question, exactly. by the way. <laughs> my, my, and there's a long story behind this that I won't go into, but, but my first is one of my Ollie trunks is, is the trunks from his fight against uh, George Foreman, the rumble in the jungle. Oh and, man. Uh, Very cool. Wow. I, I love that. Piece. Orlando's a, he's a I, boxing freak. I, so I want to jump in on, on Tom here too, because I, I love, I never saw your co collection personally, Tom, but I love the concept of it. So what's the next conquest? Are you looking for something now, a set, an autographed item? Well, he said he had two. He only gave us one. Oh, you go ahead. What's the other one? Go ahead. Yeah. So, so, the sec so I was at the, uh, the team of the century baseball shoot in 1999. Uh, I was at, I, I knew the photographer. So I, I, myself and a buddy were his assistants as, you know, the top 100 players of, of base, in baseball that were alive at that time came in for a photo shoot. Right. And I ended up getting a 16 by 20. It took me 10 years to get the 16 by 20 signed by all the living members. Oh. And then I also bought a piece from all the deceased members. And I have all of that framed in a collage of, of the, the team of the century autographs. And, and that was a, that was a labor of love. And plus being there and that's I, I love the piece. It's gorgeous. So that, that's my second piece. How'd you get them all signed? Was it, how did you get there in person by mail? How did you do it? Uh, I went, I was trekking all over the country <laughs> going to and, you know, doing, doing what I had to do. It's funny. My last two signatures were, uh, I needed, I needed Griffey and Koufax. Wow. And, and um, I got Griffey to sign it. A friend of mine knows Griffey. So Griffey signed it and he asked, he said, who else do you need? And I said, Koufax. And he said, well, 
we use the same business manager. I can get it signed for you. So <laughs> Griffin neat, actually huh? got my last signature for me. That's cool. All right, listen, we're just about out of time. Bob, your website address? It's collectinsure.com. And Tom, uh, any, any final words for the investors slash collectors? No, I think we've, I think everybody's had great advice on, uh, you know, on, on the investment side and collecting side. And, and I, I agree with every single thing that's been said today. And again, uh, ha.com. For heritage, uh, yep. Joe you know, Orlando. Joe, you guys, you guys really are at the top of the, top of the mountain. You guys are doing an amazing job uh, with, I, I just shake my head. When I, when I go online and I see some of your auctions, it's like, where the hell did they get this stuff? <laughs> it's like unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Well, I'm going to be sending Tom a consignment agreement following the show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, listen, it's been a pleasure having you. Awesome. Uh, really great. I think, uh, listen, those people that are watching, if anything comes out of this, get your collection insured. That is huge. Take care of it. Store it right. Yeah, right. Museum exactly. glass too, guys. If you're gonna, you know, if you're gonna hang something, don't be afraid to invest in some a few extra bucks in uh, in museum glass because it's really, really effective. With that being said, Joe, thank you so much. You know what you mean to us, Bob. As always, you guys do you do a fantastic job. I gotta I gotta up my collection again. Cause, <laughs> that's because of heritage. That's why. Yep. And uh, and Tom, we wish you the best. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Take care, guys. Thanks, guys. So long. Uh, good bunch of guys. Oh, this is great. Mean, they, 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 I mean, it's a really interesting topic that you know we don't get into a lot and in depth. And it was really fun to have. Well, you the, know what it is. The, yeah, I right. when I said they're sort of all stars in what they do. Yeah. Like you can't find three better guys. Well, that's why we. Talk you know, to. that's that's why we brought them in because right. they each have their niche and, and they know what the hell they're doing. That's so. why we're here. All right, JM. Again, right, brother. I'm glad I was able to come off the IL. Yeah, I wish I didn't touch you just now, but <laughs> you know. And do me a favor. Burn the socks. The socks are great. Burn the socks. Next time I'm on, I'm going to bring the wear other socks. I'm going to bring these on, and we'll get a good shot of Chrissy, them. thank you so much for your help. Uh, David, as always, you, you guys, guys do are a best. great job. To our viewers and listeners, I hope you got something out of tonight's show. I know I did. With that being said, happy collecting. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.